You are listening to the Bellator Christi podcast, brought to you by bellatorchristi.com. Now join your host, Brian Chilton, as we enter the arena of ideas. Taking up the sword of Christian theology and the shield of classic apologetics while taking truth into the arena of ideas, this is the Bellator Christie Podcast, and this is your host. Uh, for the next 30 minutes or so, uh, maybe a little more, a little less than that, uh, yours truly, Brian Chilton. We again want to thank you for joining us today and remind you that the Bellator Christie Podcast is a production of bellatorchristie.com. And we do encourage you to go to bellatorchristie.com, subscribe to the website, and by doing so that you'll receive all the uh, articles and links to the podcast as they become available. Uh, we are also on iTunes, TuneIn, and Stitcher, and so we encourage you to go there as well. Subs- hit, click subscribe, and you'll receive every one of the podcasts uh, that are recorded and, uh, and are produced as soon as they become available. Uh, today we have a lot of stuff to talk about. Uh, we have uh, just finished a four, or actually really a four-part series, uh, but about the past month or so, we have had uh, Michael Bohm from Loveland, Colorado with us, and he's been discussing the issue of uh, cults, and particularly the occult. And we want to thank him for uh, being part of the Bellator Christie podcast. Hopefully, uh, and we'll have him back in the not too not so distant future. Uh, he's talking about perhaps having me on his podcast uh, some point in time, uh, and in a few in a weeks ahead, talking about the historicity of the New Testament. And you can hear his podcast at Youth uh, Apologetics Training. 
uh, com, and so be sure to go check out his website. He does a great work over in uh, Loveland, Colorado, and so we again thank, are thankful for Michael and uh, his ministry and the, and the way that the Lord is using him uh, to the glory of God's kingdom. Uh, let's see here. We have, a, like again, a lot of stuff to cover. Uh, the main topic today, we're going to be talking about a... Uh, a series on Netflix that is that is greatly popularized. Uh, I, I would warn you that this is not for um, anyone who's easily offended by bad language. There was far wor- worse language in this series than I ever thought there would be. But it's uh, and then and, there, and it's pretty graphic in some areas as well. But it's a series I think is very important for those who are able to watch it. Uh, entitled 13 Reasons Why. I'm going to give you 13 reflections I had having watched the series. It was tough watching the series, not only due to the language. Um, I, I do think we are a culture obsessed with foul language. And um, not exactly sure why. I guess it goes along with, with the, the, the culture and the, the degradation of values that we have in our culture. But uh, I'm going to give you 13 reflections uh, that I have concerning that series on Netflix, and so we'll talk about that a little later on in the podcast today. Um, I want to let you know about uh, a change that you've probably noticed if you follow the podcast at any length. Uh, We have switched up the date of release for the conversational podcast that we do. Normally, uh, I had recorded the podcast on Mondays, and then released the podcast the same day. Uh, this this was difficult to do, uh, or it has been difficult to do, uh, and it kind of ties me down a little more on Mondays than what I I care uh, care to be. So, uh, what I have started doing is I am I am pre-recording these podcasts, and, and of course you know that I've been doing this before, uh, but pre-recording the podcast and then, you know, and, and then I'm going to release them the next week. So I'm actually coming to you on a Friday right now, recording this on a Friday. And so this will be released instead of Monday, it will now be released on Sundays. So the podcast, if you listen to the podcast on Mondays, you know, it's not going to affect you at all. It's still going to be there. It'll actually be there for you sooner than what you have had in the past. But uh, if you have iTunes, if you have Stitcher, uh, or if you go to the website to hear this podcast, you'll pro- you'll catch this sometime. It'll be released sometime on Sunday afternoon. But now, if you're on TuneIn, there's a little bit of a delay between the uh, recording of or the release, the publication of the podcast, and uh, the addition of the podcast to the channel on TuneIn. So you will you will actually, whereas I had been releasing this on Monday, and it would be available on Tuesday, uh, now on TuneIn you'll have the podcast available to you on Monday uh, due to the fact that it's being released on Sunday afternoon. So uh, I think this will be a benefit to our listeners. This will actually be a benefit to me as well. And so uh, this is something we're hoping to do. Hope, hopefully this will go well as we um, continue on uh, with the podcast here at Bellator Christie. Uh, also, I want to let you know about, uh, of course, this This is actually going to be, uh, this is going to be uh, published after the Defending Doctrine Apologetics Conference. And so I hope to give you an update on that conference 
coming up next week. So I'll give you the whole rundown to that uh, that conference uh, on next week's podcast. We also have a couple of authors who have uh, sent me review copies of their books we hope to have on sometime in June. Now, just to let you know, just to prepare you for this, uh, coming up in July, I'm going to take at least two weeks off from podcasting. Uh, it may be the entire month, okay? But you'll still hear the messages as they're released each week, and I may actually release those on on Sundays. Um, but uh, outside of that, I mean, you'll you'll still have something brought to you uh, on the Bellator Christie podcast. But the commentary that we have been having, uh, th- there'll be a few weeks where it will uh, we we won't have that. Now it may be. Uh, that we may have some guest podcasters uh, who will uh, come, guest hosts who will cover for us that week. I don't know. I'm in the works of of, of dish, hashing that out, and so we'll, we'll see. We'll see about that. See how that goes. But um, anyhow, uh, if you don't hear the podcast for a couple of weeks uh, or or for or for the month of July, just know that this is a regularly scheduled break. Uh, this will allow me time to uh, get my thoughts, uh, to, to uh, recoup, to focus, and to um, be re-energized uh, for, for the podcasting and, uh, and, and articles that we post here on the podcast. So, or on the, not on the podcast, but the website is what I'm trying to say. So uh, just to let you know, I, I, I'll probably still post a few reflections, but it won't be anything weighty uh, on the, on the, as far as the articles go. So July is going to, is, is a scheduled uh, a a scheduled uh, month of downtime uh, for Bellator Christie. So just just be prepared for that. Just to let you know that's the forthcoming. I do want to let you know about a conference coming up in Charlotte uh, in October, and this is the National Conference on Christian Apologetics. This is October thirteenth and fourteenth at Calvary Church. In Charlotte, North Carolina, this is hosted by the uh, Southern Evangelical Seminary. Uh, you can register now by going to conference.ses.edu, and you'll uh, you, early bird pricing ends August first. Okay, so uh, this is the 25th year, I believe that's correct. Tw- yeah, celebrating 25 years defending the faith. At SES, and this is uh, entitled "Going by the Name: Pursuing a Faith That Thinks." And uh, this year, we'll they'll have uh, Michael Brown will be speaking, Norman Geisler, as well as Gary Habermas of Liberty University. Ken Ham will be there, uh, along with uh, Richard Howe, Greg Kokel of Stand to Reason. He'll be there. Uh, Richard Land, J.P. Moreland, I'm really looking forward to hearing him, uh, Jay Richards, Hugh Ross, Frank Turek, uh, Jay Warner Wallace. If you've never heard Jay Warner Wallace or Frank Turek, you need to be there. It's worth the price of admission just to hear those two individuals. And so there are going to be a lot of other speakers forthcoming. Um, Let's see here. I'm going to click the link and see if there's any major additions here that I need to inform you about. Dan Barker, J. Thomas Bridges, David Geisler, Timothy McGrew will be there. Juan Valdez. I love his name, Juan Valdez. That's a that's just a musical name. Love that name. And there will be more than 30 additional speakers to be added. So um, 
keep keep posted uh, at uh, conference.ses.edu. Again, you can register now by going there. There's a link to register, and uh, there there is an early bird pricing ongoing until August 1st. So you have until August 1st to reg to register to get the early bird pricing. There are discounts uh, if you're a student as well. So uh, make every effort to be part of the National Conference on Christian Apologetics. And speaking of SES, I want to congratulate. Uh, a good friend of mine, he's been on the podcast, it's been a while since he's been on the podcast, but it's my good buddy J. Andrew Payne. Uh, I want want to congratulate him. He uh, had an article published in the Christian Apologetics Journal entitled, The History of Reason and Its Relation to Apologetic Methodologies. And so that's actually the opening article in the journal. So uh, from what I hear, it's a wonderful article. Uh, It looks like it's about 30 pages long, so it's bound to be (laughs) very detailed. And so I want to congratulate Drew. I've always known him as Drew, you know, and so uh, I want to congratulate Drew for for a wonderful job. I told him we attended Gardner-Webb University, and I knew then that God was going to use him uh, for something great in the field of Christian philosophy, because uh, Drew has an incredible knack for philosophy, and and he's very gifted in the in that realm, and very gifted in many ways, but very a very intelligent individual. Uh, I remember we were going through, uh, we had to give some presentations on, I can't remember what class it was for, and uh, the only recommendation I had is uh, uh, if is for his presentation, if you're going to present it to most churches, you may need to dumb it down a little bit because he's that intelligent. He's just very a very smart guy. And so uh, I, he probably will be speaking at the conference this year. I know he has for the past couple of years. So uh, he is a very good guy, a very, very great Christian man. And uh, he, God is going to use him for some great things. And uh, it's like I told him on his social media page, it's a pleasure to know what I believe will be the next great Christian philosopher. Um, and so and that is Drew Payne. So he's working on his Ph.D. at SES and doing a great job, I know. Uh, let's see here. Also, uh, I wanted to say a word. Uh, Jason Klein and I wrote an article that we published last week, and, and I and I probably need to um, wait and and talk about this in more detail on a later podcast by itself. But I just want to say a word here. When we talk about apologetics, we often talk about the intellectual side of of the faith, and 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 for good reason. Uh, but uh, but but it's important, I think, that uh, that we don't lose focus on the fact that there, that Christianity is also a relational a relational uh, um, not really just a philosophy, but it's but it's about a relationship. It really is. If you take out the relational side, Christianity loses its impact to be life changing, and that's what it is. Christ changes our lives from the inside out. And so it's important that we grow ourselves. Yes, we need to love the Lord with all of our mind, and and that's why I have a podcast devoted to apologetics, devoted to theology, but we cannot lose the emotional, relational side to it. 
And that's what we're really talking about in that article as we discuss three uh, ideas or thoughts pertaining to the idea of prayer. I mean, to hear some people talk in the world of apologetics, to hear some people speak uh, about prayer, you would think that it was almost a deistic approach, that, that God doesn't speak to us, God doesn't interact with us, we pray to God, and we just do our best, and that's all we can do. Well, I, th- I think it's a little deeper than that. In fact, uh, it, it, it wasn't an audible voice, but my whole journey back to faith, back to the ministry, was, was by the communication of God. Uh, it was, it was, and, and normally when God has communed with me, it's been uh, not even necessarily, some people call it a still small voice. For me, it's been more of an overwhelming compulsion to do something, something I can't shake, something that is impressed upon me so strongly that I can't shake it, I can't get it off my mind, I can't do anything else. It's just, it's just pounding upon my soul, my inner being. And, you know, that's what happened whenever I was driving down Haynes Mall Boulevard in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. I came across Lifeway Christian Bookstore in July of 2005. And I had this overwhelming compulsion, the impression that I needed to go to that bookstore. I didn't know why, but I did. And when I went in there, I found those books that transformed my life in the realm of apologetics, that being Josh McDowell's The New Evidence That Demands a Verdict, and a reasonable faith, uh, reasonable defense, I think is what you call it. It's a compilation book of Josh McDowell's greatest works, uh, as well as Lee Strobel's A Case for Christ. And um, those, those books began, uh, started me on a journey. They served as a launch pad for a journey that would uh, lead me to several other writers like Gary Habermas, uh, William Lane Craig, and Ravi Zacharias and many, many others. And so it was through the communicative aspect aspect of the Holy Spirit that I am even in back in the ministry today. So while we need to grow in intellect, while we need to grow in um, our minds, our mental um, capacity, let us not forget the emotional, relational side to apologetics, which is so critical. Okay, We're going to take a quick commercial break, and when we come back, we will talk about 13 reflections on the Netflix series, 13 Reasons Why. We'll be back in a few minutes. Life. Liberty and the pursuit of happiness. Our great nation was built on these simple principles. So was our university. Find your greatness at Liberty. Online or on campus, discover more at liberty.edu. It's the difference between a job and a career. And we're back here on the Bellator Christie Podcast. Again, thank you for being with us today. Hope you're doing well. I was wanting to, uh, as we get started for the main uh, topic of discussion, before I get into that, I wanted to talk about uh, very briefly uh, an article that I saw on social media, that I read on social media. It was uh, talking about 
once once again, there, there's this issue where where uh, many people are trying to say that atheists are smarter than Christians, and I really think that is a ridiculous claim. I don't, I don't know these studies. They say these, there are studies that indicate this. I, I you know, uh, I don't know where they're getting these studies from because I, I quite honestly have known many good intellectual Christians, and um, and and I've known many good intellectual atheists for that matter. But but I've also known some 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 atheists whose worldviews don't make sense of course i don't think the atheist worldview makes sense anyhow even when i was uh, <laughs> gravitating towards agnosticism when i left the ministry i didn't think atheism uh, made much sense therein either so uh you know anyhow uh, that should probably should be a topic of another of another <laughs> another uh conversation and another uh, uh podcast uh, as well. So, um, anyhow, let, let's move on. We're uh, there, on Netflix. There is a uh, series entitled 13 Reasons Why," and uh, what this is, it, the show is about uh, a young woman, a fictional character by the name of Hannah Baker, played by Katherine Langford, and she is a high school student. She's bullied. Uh, there's a series of events that take place uh, where she gets a bad reputation uh, over over things that she didn't do. But uh, you know she's bullied, she's cyberbullied, she's she is uh, she's the victim of of many horrible uh, things taking place, both physically and emotionally. And l- let me just say that emotional. You know, we talk about physical harassment, physical bullying, and that—that that is a bad thing. But emotional, psychological bullying is just as bad. It's just as bad, and, and it leaves scars that are uh, that may li- last a lifetime. Okay, but this woman, she goes through the ringer in this, and um, and and she she does she doesn't feel like she has a friend, a true genuine friend, and she ends up taking her life. And she leaves behind a series of tapes uh, to those who were responsible for the bullying, for, uh, for, for her taking her life. These are the ones whom she blamed for uh, her taking her life. And, um, and these tapes give 13 reasons why, hence the name, 13 reasons why she is taking her life. Now, I, I do think that I do give this warning. Okay, uh, I had heard good reviews about this, even among many Christians, but but I wasn't prepared for the level of cursing that was in this series. It was almost I almost didn't finish the series because of the level of cursing, and it seemed like it got worse as the series progressed. I don't understand why. Uh, Netflix or any other, you know, same thing goes for HBO, Showtime, uh, any other major network like that. Uh, which I know Netflix is a is an internet, um, an internet uh, sensation. It's an internet uh, channel, I guess you could say. It's an internet app channel, I guess you can call if you want to call it that. Uh, but I don't understand why they have to use the level of cursing that they do, and, and that was really off-putting uh, 
and there were there were scenes of uh, you know you could even say gore. There were also scenes that were very disturbing. So I say this to, to just simply note that this is not a series for children and even for young teens. And I think that is unfortunate because I think the storyline is important so that 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 people. Uh, especially young teenagers, can see the problems of bullying. I, I wish they had made it a little less intense so that it could be shared with everyone. I, I don't recommend this for kids at all. Okay, But as I, as I, as I watched the series, I couldn't stop watching it because I, I wanted to get see how it ended, and I was intrigued by the story because it wasn't long after that I heard the story of, of two young people, and I won't mention names or ages or even gender, but two young people, two youths, uh, who had committed suicide, had taken their own lives. And that's part of the problem that many people have with the series, is is it's almost as if it glorifies death. I don't know that I necessarily agree with that. Uh, I, I think it's important to show the problems of bullying, the problems of depression. And folks, we as Christians, we may stand, we need to stand against those things which are sinful. We need to stand against those things which are wrong, which are found outside. We need to stand for those things that the Word of God stands for, speak out against those things for which the Word of God speaks out against. But we must never be guilty of bullying. You know, I don't understand people who think they have to be a jerk to get their point across. I don't understand that. I know sometimes you have to be aggressive in how you present something, uh, especially if you're, you know, you know, wanting health care for someone or, or a certain particular thing that, that's very important. I understand that, but you don't have to be a jerk. You know, we, we as Christians should never be jerks, so to speak. But anyhow, I want to provide you 13 reflections that I had on this series, um, on the series 13 Reasons Why. Uh, number one, depression is a serious issue that must not be taken lightly. There were several, there were several things that I thought, that there were times on this series that I thought that it, it was a little exaggerated. I mean, the the woman, the young girl, Hannah, was angry because the, the counselor didn't come out after her. The counselor was guilty he, uh, of the fact that he, she went to a counselor towards the end seeking help, and the answers that he provided weren't the best answers, uh, and, and, you know, he didn't go out after her. But, you know, I thought a part, at least a part of that was a little bit nitpicky, so to speak. But at the same time, you know, depression will make a person think things that are just really aren't, really aren't true. And so depression is a serious issue, and it must be taken seriously. It must never be taken lightly. Sometimes there may be chemical imbalances. I've seen things that may happen. But a lot of times I think depression can be a spiritual oppression that takes place uh, by the enemy. I have seen times where a person is oppressed spiritually, and I saw. And the sad thing about this series is, I saw no evidence whatsoever of any spiritual relationship with the Lord. And I think that would have helped 
this fictional character in real life, if it had been, if it were in real life, if it had been where a person has a, a relationship with Christ, I think that, that makes a big difference. But number two, bullying is never acceptable. This is the second reflection I had. I mean, it doesn't matter who you are or where you are. We should all have a zero tolerance for bullying. You can get your point across. You may disagree. Yes, absolutely. But you should never, a person should never lay their hands on another person just because they disagree with them. And we should never seek to intimidate someone. And especially in evangelism and apologetics, we should never intimidate someone to accept the beliefs that we have. You don't see Jesus doing that. In fact, you see the story of, the, of Jesus and the rich young ruler. Well, the rich young ruler comes and asks Jesus, how can I be saved? What must I do to be saved? And Jesus tells him, you know, sell all you have and come follow me. Give your money to the poor. Now, did Jesus mean that literally, or was it a test? I think somewhat it was probably a test. But the man couldn't do it. Jesus knew the man wouldn't do it because the man was so obsessed with money. He was so obsessed with material things. But Jesus didn't say, you must do this. You must, you know, and beat him in the head with a stick or something. No. Jesus let him go down the path that he chose. Okay? So bullying is never acceptable, and we as Christians, and especially apologists, need to understand that berating someone, making someone feel dumb, uh, or you know, unintelligent, or 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 things of that nature, it's it's not it's not cool at all, folks. And I've seen this happen many times on social media. Someone doesn't agree with us. We just say, well, you're just nothing more than an infidel, and you, you, you're never going to do any better. You're never going to know any better. Well, you know, that's not the way to win souls, folks. <laughs> it's not even a way to win an argument. It's guilty of an ad hominem attack. So we must be careful in not doing that. Um, number three, be careful where you go. Uh, without giving too much, uh, spoil, without giving too many spoiler alerts, uh, there were there were two cases of rape that took place in this series, and you know, boy, I tell you, I tell you, uh, it's important that that if you're an adult or if you're especially a teenager, that you're careful where you go and where you spend your time, folks. I'm telling you, especially if you're a young woman, you know. Be careful where you go and, and the places you put yourself. Um, you know, as a minister, I, I do this. I have actually had to not go visit some people because of the look that it would have me. I mean, for instance, let me. And I was given this advice. I was given this advice very early on in ministry. And if there's a, if there are young ministers listening to this, I would pass this along to you. If you're a, if you are a man, don't go into the house of a single woman, of a younger single woman. Don't go into a house by yourself. If there's a young single woman there, don't go in a house by yourself with a married woman when her husband's not there. Okay? This is, number one, it, 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 it's tactful if you have um, 
other people with you, along with you. It's diplomatic, if you want to put it that way. But secondly, well, let me say three things. One, it's diplomatic. Two, it resists any, it holds back any temptation that you could have. And number three, it eliminates the possibility of false accusations being brought against you. Okay, this this young woman, and there were several young women who were involved in situations that easily could have been avoided. And I'm not blaming them for what happened. You know, when, when the events of rape take place, the one who is guilty is the one who committed the act. But I'm just saying to protect yourself, especially if you're a young woman uh, listening to this podcast, be careful where you go. Don't put yourself in a situation where something like that could happen. I mean, that's not going to cure every problem, but it'll at it'll least help protect you from unnecessary violence taken against you. And um, so, you know, and that brings to the number to the fourth reflection I had on this. Rape is never the victim's fault. I mean, it, se- it seemed like uh, that the young ladies who were raped, in some, to some degree, they felt like it was their fault, but it wasn't their fault. The fault, whenever a rape happens, the fault lies strictly with the perpetrator, the aggressor, the one committing the act, not the victim. So if, if you've ever been a victim of, of molestation or rape or things of that nature, you must come to the understanding that it's not your fault. And I think some of that... Uh, some of the story could have been helped, or the young woman, even though it's a fictional character, I'm thinking she could have been helped if she realized and understood that it wasn't her fault and she just had the support of someone who would hear her out. Number five, covered sins produce worse sins. There's a there's a story in this in this. Um, this show, and, and this may be a bit of a spoiler alert, so be warned. This is there's a little bit of a spoiler alert, uh, a spoiler coming up. So I'll give you a second to pause for a minute or two, or or to fast forward if you haven't seen it and you're wanting to see the program. But a big a big story, and here we go. The big one of the big stories in the show is that there was a rape that took place. And the people who were involved covered, uh, and some of the innocent people covered up the sin for this friend that they had that committed the act. But by doing so, it produced worse things. There were other rapes that had been committed by not exposing the problem, by not telling someone about the problem, by not telling the authorities. And it went down a progression of events that led to a girl's death. Folks, you have, a, you have two options in life. You can bring those, those sins to the Lord and have them forgiven. You can take, you know, if, and if there's crimes committed, you can take them to the authorities and, and let it be handled, or you can keep covering them up, and one day you'll have to pay for your sins unatoned if you reject Christ and His forgiveness. You'll have, to, you'll have to face the sins that you've done in your life by yourself with no advocate whatsoever because you've rejected Christ. And then secondly, uh, eventually the truth is going to come out, folks. You can't hide the truth forever. Eventually the truth will surface. So covering up sins brings forth worse sins. Number six, cyberbullying is still bullying. 
doesn't matter if you bully someone in person or if you do it online. Bullying is bullying. And really it comes from, it really, it really stems from a uh, logical fallacy called the ad hominem against the man. It's where you don't have the intellect or the ability to... Uh, <laughs> uh, well, I'm not saying you listening or, or, or anyone particular. I'm just saying that as a generalized you. I'm just saying individuals who fail uh, to be able to combat a an idea in which they disagree will sometimes attack the person giving the argument. That's what bullying is all about. You know, someone doesn't agree the way you do or, or something like that. They don't agree with you or don't believe the same way you do about a particular thing. Well, the next thing you do is I'm going to shun them or I'm going to you know, push them or I'm going to make up rumors about them. That's nothing more than from the pits of hell, folks. It's from the pits of hell. Listen, I'm sure there have been people who said things about me that weren't true, and I hope people have enough understanding and logic to see that the things that are falsely said about me are untrue. But you know what? That where that stems because I've been on I've been the victim of that myself. But I tell you, it comes from weak-minded people. Weak-minded people who don't have the intellect to be able to stand up and talk, give a rational discourse about something. So, so in, the only other alternative they have is to talk about someone behind their back, or to say things that are untrue about them, or to cast rumors. It, it really comes from a weak. It comes from weak integrity and a lack of an intellect. Is that's what it really does? Cyberbullying is still bullying, folks. And it shows weak-minded, a weak-minded person who has no integrity. So if we are Christians and we are especially in theology or apologetics and we're standing for the truth, let's not be guilty of this because it says worse things about us. It ruins our testimonies, what it does. Number seven, always be willing to befriend the outcast. You know, my mind goes when looking at this series, my, my mind thinks about individuals who may be like this fictional character, Hannah Baker, who, who did not think that she had a friend in this world. Jesus was a friend to outcasts. He spoke to the woman at the well, and there, there's evidence many scholars believe that the woman was an outcast in her society. She'd been married and divorced five times and was living with a man. She was not, according to society, the primo example of what a woman should be. In fact, uh, she came later after most of the women had already got, gathered the water. She came by herself, which indicates that she was probably an outcast of the society. But Jesus befriended her, and guess what happened? She came to know Christ as Savior. She led an entire community to faith. Her, being the outcast that she was, was used mightily by God. You see, maybe you feel like you're the outcast listening to this podcast. Maybe you just don't quite fit in. Folks, I've never fit in. I can't say that there are many places that I have ever fit in, <laughs> you know, really, truthfully. I feel like most of my life I've been the outcast. But you know what? It's good to know that we have a friend in Jesus. 
it's good to know that we have that Jesus is Yeshua is a friend to the friendless that he is a savior to those who are sick and need a physician and brothers and sisters I tell you that is a wonderful news for any of us and all of us so as Christians we need to be willing to befriend the outcast that doesn't mean that we that we agree with the sin of anybody we agree with the scripture we agree with what God tells us but always be willing to befriend the outcast and show them the love of Christ what true genuine agape love unconditional love is all about who knows you may be an instrument God uses to keep someone from committing suicide or the instrument God uses to help someone uh, when they're at their lowest point Number eight, don't downgrade others to upgrade yourself. And I saw a lot of this, and I'm sure this happens a lot in high school. This happens a lot in life. You know, some people believe that the only way that they can make themselves look better is to make other people look bad. Folks, if you're guilty of this, this isn't the way to go. Because if you can't make yourself look good by the things you do and by the person you are, you make yourself look worse by downgrading others. You really do. And I think this is one thing that stood out in this, in this, um, this series. Uh, there, was a, there, was a, there was a time and a place where um, this, this young woman was betrayed by what she thought was a good friend. You know, and let me just say also that there are many lifestyles, there are many different uh, choices made in this series that, that don't necessarily cohere with the Christian worldview, so be, 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 aware of, you know, be aware of that as well. But don't downgrade others to upgrade yourself. Number nine, don't always trust the news you hear. Just because you hear something about someone doesn't mean that it's necessarily true. Um, <laughs> I saw a I watched a, uh, a documentary on what individuals uh, in, of, um, in, in around uh, Israel uh, believed about Jesus. And some of the things you heard were just outlandish. And it's not anything, I mean, because these were very intelligent people. But they had heard rumors about Jesus that just were certainly not true. Some people had, had, had thought that if they read the New Testament, that the New Testament was a manual uh, used to persecute, Christian, to persecute Jews. Well, obviously, that was ridiculous. In fact, I heard one Jewish man who came to faith saying that uh, he came to realize that, that Jesus was Jewish, that the apostles were Jewish, that the, that the New Testament was written by Jewish individuals. And this, this floored him because he thought it, he, he thought it was a manual for persecuting Jews. Obviously not, heaven forbid. Don't always trust the news you hear about someone because it may not be true. It may not be true. I think all of us have been, have been guilty about saying untrue things about another person or, or having untrue things said about us. So, so, like Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself. Think about what the other person must be thinking or feeling you know, before you go sharing fallacious rumors excuse me, about someone. And in a world of fake news, it's more, even more important that we discriminate uh, the news we hear and test, as John says in his letter, test the spirits. We test the news to see if it's based on any factual data or not. Number 10, see people the way Jesus sees them. 
And that's a very important point. Because every person you meet, even those individuals that drive you bonkers, drive you nuts, that get under your skin. I mean, you know, mosquitoes, they're, they're annoying pestilences. And, and, and you know, just, just want to squish a mosquito. Well, you know, sometimes there are people who just annoy you to no end. That's when we need to take a step back and just see the person the way Jesus sees the person. It's not easy, folks. Let me just tell you, it's not easy. But it's something I think is important that we do as, as believers because we need to understand that love, if without love, we would have no gospel. Number 11, we never know what a person faces. You just don't know. It's easy for us to think certain things about individuals, but unless you get to know the person, you really don't know what that person's facing. Every person, um, the outward things you see of a person is just like the outer tip of a glacier. There are many layers, deep layers underneath the surface that you don't see. And so I think this also... um, we need to add here, along with number 11, that we need to um, pray for individuals that we encounter. Pray that God would, would bless over them and keep them. And if, they, if the person doesn't know Christ, that they would come to know Him before it's eternally too late. This brings me to the twelfth reflection I had on this, uh, on this show. And that is that evil will eventually be brought to justice. There was an individual, he was a, <laughs> he was a rich man who was guilty of uh, raping these young women who thought that he was above the law. Well, understand, folks. And, you know, a lot of times when something bad happens, they think that many people believe that's evidence that a good, loving God doesn't exist. In fact, I heard Neil deGrasse Tyson say the same thing. And that's his whole. Uh, that's the whole reason that he does not accept a, a loving God because he says there's so much evil in the world. But, but folks, that's already been dismissed. Philosophically and theologically, that's already been dismissed. Guys like Alvin Plantinga uh, and and William Lane Craig have already shown that a good, powerful, loving God can coexist in a world of evil. If, especially if. That loving God allows for free will along uh, among the individuals, and especially if you have a, an eternal perspective, then you know that this life is not all there is. There's a better life on the other side. This life is good, and we need to fo- you know we need to do all we can in this life to glorify God and to, to to live a life that He's called us to live. But there's a better life coming by and by, and that's not a pie in the sky by and by type of philosophy. It's, it's a reality that if there is a good, loving God, then and He has provided an eternal existence for those who receive Him and are forgiven by Him, then it only stands to reason that that existence, since God is love, is going to be far better and far greater than what we may face in our life today. And number 13, and I think this is probably one of the most important reflections that I I have on this series is that life's purpose is found in God and not the opinions of others. 
psychologists talk about there being a an outward locus of identity. Many enter- entertainers have an outward locus of identity. And what this means is that an individual sees himself or herself according to the way other people see them. So if other people praise them, then they feel good about themselves. But if other people have a bad uh, view of a person, then internally that person has a bad feeling about themselves. Obviously, this is a bad way to live. If, if you are living, basing your life on what other people think of you, then folks, you're never going to be happy, ever. Because people are often flighty. People may have, you know, unless God has transformed a person's heart and transformed a person's life and has really moved in a person's soul and changed them and, and making them, sanctifying them, making them in the image of Christ, which, by the way, we have many people in churches today who say that they're Christians but don't live it, which is... <laughs> Jesus tells us about that. He says good trees produce good fruit. If a person's been saved, then they're going to be slowly but surely transformed by the grace of God, made into a good image. Bad trees produce bad fruit. We can't tell who's saved and who's not, but we can be fruit checkers. We can test the fruits to see. But I had a point there. Oh yeah, outward locus of identity. If you you only trust what other people think about you, then you're never going to have a positive image. You're never going to see the purpose that you have in life. And I think that's what happened with this fictional character, Hannah Baker, in this, in this series. But psychologists also say that there's an inner, inward locus of identity, that you find your purpose in yourself. Uh, and you base your opinions of yourself not on what other people think about you, but what you think of yourself. But folks, if you are if you have a bad self-image of yourself, then that's not good either, because then you're going to see, find things wrong with you, and you're going to continually find things wrong with you, and then you'll never have a good image whatsoever. Well, my solution to this is that neither there should neither be an outward locus of identity or an inward locus of identity, but there should be an upward locus of identity. Um. Here we go. In Philippians chapter 4, Paul gives us the secret of finding happiness in this life. He gives us the secret of finding happiness in this life. And I want to read you from the Christian Standard Bible, a translation I highly recommend if I can get the page turned here. I'm having trouble turning the page. Here we go. Here we go. Starting in verse 10. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly because once again you renewed your care for me. You were in fact concerned about me, but I lacked the opportunity to show it. I don't say this out of need, for I have learned. Now here, starting in verse 11, this is where I really want to focus. I don't say this out of need, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I find myself. Whatever circumstances he finds himself... He is content. Well, how does, he, how does he do this? Is it an outward locus of identity? No. Is it an inward locus of identity? No. He goes on to say, I know both how to make do with little, and I know how to make do with a lot. 
In any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being content. Whether well-fed or hungry, whether in abundance or in need. And here's the secret that Paul gives us. I am able to do all things through Christ, through Him who strengthens me. Still, you did well by partnering with me in my hardship. So, in other words, Paul is not finding his identity in, uh, in his happiness in, in other people. He's not even finding his happiness and contentment in himself. He's finding his happiness and contentment in Christ because no one can take away that from him. No one can take away Christ from Paul. And so, folks, we would learn a lot if we would... Uh, I think that would have benefited this young woman, This, even though she was a fictional character. I think that it, had she been a real character, and if there are people out there who, who are going through similar circumstances, listen, don't find your identity in yourself. Don't find your identity in anyone else. Find your identity in Jesus Christ. Find your identity in the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And by doing so, You'll find the purpose in your life. And you'll find that life is a lot better than you even thought it was. That life is worth living. And eventually you'll find that eternal life found in Christ Jesus our Lord. We thank you again for joining us on this podcast. We do ask... And that if you are uh, if you are if you're going through some situations today, go and talk to someone. Go and talk to someone. You know, I, I'm available if you need to talk to me. Uh, but if, I, I would suggest uh, you find a local pastor, a Bible-believing, Christ-loving local pastor, who may be willing to uh, talk to you, and and uh, and, uh, and also consider talking with a Christian counselor as well if needed as well. But know that life is worth living. Know that you are loved. I know that God loves you with an everlasting love that transcends all of our understandings. This is Brian Chilton. You've been listening to the Bellator Christie Podcast, brought to you by BellatorChristie.com. We'll see you back next time. The views expressed on this podcast do not necessarily represent those of BellatorChristie.com or its affiliates. The Bellator Christie Podcast is a production of bellatorchristie.com and is protected under Creative Commons copyright. All rights reserved. The theme song is Crucified, written by John and Michaela Lemonese, performed by Crosby Lane, and produced by Mansion Entertainment. Be sure to visit bellatorchristie.com and subscribe so that you can receive all the articles and podcasts in your inbox for free. Catch us on iTunes, TuneIn, and Stitcher. For Brian Chilton, this is Burl Childer saying God bless, and we'll see you the next time as we enter into the arena of ideas.